Welcome to the Mediate.com podcast with Veronica Kramer. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to another great episode of the Mediate.com podcast. I'm Veronica here, your host, and today I'm excited because we're going to talk all about building the mediation movement in India. And I think today's guest, Tara Alapali, is the perfect person to be talking about this. So by way of background, Tara is the co-founder of Camp Arbitration and Mediation Practice in India, an institution that provides world-class commercial mediation services and is focused on integrating mediation into the practice of dispute resolution in India. Tara leads Camp's growth across business lines, and her core focus is to raise awareness to the concept of mediation and build the business of mediation. Also, Tara is an international lawyer of 18 years who started her career in human rights law in the United States, and she also worked in immigration and asylum law while in the U.S. She is trained in mediation at Harvard Law School and many other international institutions. She's a graduate of University Law College and received her master's in law from Columbia Law School. So with that, hey, Tara, welcome to the Mediate.com podcast, and thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Veronica. My pleasure to be with you here today. Yeah, well, I'm so happy that we could do this. And um, so I'll share with our listeners. So, you know, before we had a chance to connect, I was not really familiar with mediation in India. So, you know, I'm always excited to learn about, you know, the mediation movement in, in different parts of the globe. And so I'm so excited that you're here today. And so I thought maybe, you know, just in case there are others who are listening who might not be familiar with the mediation movement in India, I thought maybe it would be helpful just to start with a little bit of background context. And, you know, I know before today's recording, you were so kind in sharing resources with me so that I could do a little bit of prep and, and learn some more. And so one of the websites that you sent me, the Vidi Center for Legal Policy website, had some pretty interesting statistics on it. And so I thought maybe I'd start with just sharing those. And so it mentioned just in terms of kind of volume of cases pending, it mentioned that as of July 27th, 2020, there were around 33.47 million cases pending before the district judiciary and 4.46 million cases before the high courts. And interestingly, at the same time in the high courts, 35.6% of seats for judges were vacant while in the district judiciary, that number was 21.4%. So I thought that was a pretty interesting dynamic that on the one hand, you see what appears to be this pretty high volume of cases that are pending. At the same time, there's you know, a good chunk of seats for judges that are vacant. Um, you know, just to sort of give us a sense of, of kind of the, I would say like the litigation landscape. I mean, how long are cases pending in courts in India? Yeah, Veronica, these, these, as you can see, are pretty staggering numbers, right? And, and any legal system that has this kind of a burden to bear is going to break. Um, and India is, is, is struggling. Um, the average time for a case in India is about 13 years. And that's just average, which means that cases can easily go up to about 20 years. There are the odd cases in, in our system that is from the 1940s, 1950s. I mean, it's a classic case of justice delayed is justice denied. Um, and on this point, you know, I'd love to uh, share a story of how 
how this kind of bared itself quite brutally for me. Um, I come from a family of lawyers. My mother is a lawyer. My grandfather is a judge of the Supreme Court of India. And, and I knew pretty much in middle school that I wanted to be a lawyer. And as a young uh, uh, law student, I used to spend time at my mother's office. And I remember this one particular case that she was working on that I kind of helped her with. It was a young family that was constructing their home. And when they went to visit the construction site, the uh, father stepped on a live wire and he was electrocuted to death. Um, so my mother was representing um, the, his widow in a case of negligence against the um, urban development authority of that city in which they lived. And uh, as a, in, in India, it's a five-year law school system. As a fourth-year law student, I was uh, helping my mother with the filings in the district court. And then, of course, I graduated. I uh, left for the US to do my master's. I practiced human rights law and asylum law for about 10 years. And then I went back to India and I kind of circled the loop back and I was back there sitting at my mom's office trying to figure out um, what I wanted to do next. And as I was sitting there, uh, a familiar face walked in um, and it was the same client. She was carrying a box of sweets um, because her case was finally over and she had won at the Supreme Court. But she did not look like the face of a winner. She, yes, she got her compensation finally, but at what cost? Um, she explained, you know, the point of this litigation was for her to be able to, of course, find justice, but get compensation to be able to support her young children to be able to move on from this, uh, uh, from this very unfortunate uh, incident that happened. But today, 10 years later, when she gets this compensation in hand, it just did not mean that much to her. Um, her children were, were, were working, they were independent professionals the excruciating cost of going up and down to Delhi because that's where the last five years of the of the hearings were meant that she had to leave her children she had to take time off from work and basically she said the pressure of keeping that litigation going was so tough that she really did not think it was worth it for her to find justice in this way and that's when I knew that when I came back, I couldn't practice in our courts and we had to find a better way to do this. And you know, our judges are working hard. They are trying so hard to keep up with the, the load that they are presented with. You know, in a survey that was done in 2016, our judges hear an average of 70 matters a day, which means some courts are hearing 115 matters that are being listed for a day. Some of our busiest judges are unable to spend more than 2.5 minutes per hearing. And this is so unfortunate because, you know, mediation as a concept was deeply rooted in our, in our culture. Before, much before the British came and introduced the adversarial system, our culture had various forms of mediation that kept disputes um, resolved, kept it under check. 
there were the village elders all over the community to resolve community disputes. Whether um, when it came to business disputes, we had groups called Mahajans who were fellow respected merchants that stepped in whenever, whenever there were disputes. So we had a very sophisticated community-based dispute re resolution mechanism that worked so well, but all of that changed you know, around 1775 when the British came in and, and uh, introduced the formal court system. Again, and, and that's not to bash uh, the formal court system. There's a lot of good that has come out of, of, of a formalized uh, court system. But this kind of is perhaps a context for us to put in place to understand where dispute resolution in India uh, came from and how we are in the situation that we are in. But I guess the good news of all of this today is that when we have 40 million cases pending, there is a desperate need for options. And so mediation becomes a real needed option in our society. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, all of that is really eye-opening. And I mean, I mean, thank you for sharing that story because you know, you hear statistics. I think you mentioned the average is about 13 years sometimes up to 20 years. And then I just want to double check on one thing. Did you say that maybe there were some cases still active from like the 1940s and 1950s? Did I, did I hear that correctly? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You know, we, wow. And, and, and I, I've heard the, the, the frustration of some of our Supreme Court judges who we've been working with closely on, on mediation kind of you know, shaking their head saying, yeah, that's, that's, that's the reality. It's not the common reality of having 1940s, 50s cases, but you bet they are there in our legal system. Yeah. And I mean, that's just, and especially hearing you tell that story, I mean, that's a real reminder that, you know, behind every case, I mean, there, there's a life, right. That's impacted by a case that's still um, open and not resolved. And um, wow. And so one thing I wanted to ask you about too, I mean, it, it appears that there is this really interesting dynamic as it relates to mediation in India, just from some of the, the background materials that you sent me. I mean, it looks like on the one hand, there is support for mediation in India in the legal framework. Like I remember reading about, you know, that there was this section of the code of civil procedure in India that was um, updated to allow for a court to refer a case to ADR. And it also appeared too that the Supreme Court of India has taken a strong pro-mediation stance. But on the other hand, it mentioned how there's some uncertainty in terms of the enforcement of mediation agreements. And so, you know, the website was just sharing how that was one of the reasons why it appears how that mediation has been slow to build. So I was just curious, I mean, can you tell us a little bit more? What, what is the uncertainty in terms of the enforcement of mediation agreements in India? Uh, sure. So you are right. Um, it was actually in 1999 that our Code of Civil Procedure was amended um, so that if a court saw an element for settlement that was acceptable to the parties to be able to refer the case out for um, resolution to one of the ADR modes. So the judges were kind of empowered to, to get cases out into alternate systems if, uh, if there was an element for uh, resolution. But you know, adoption for that process uh, was low for various reasons. Um, 
India has um, has tried to to legislate and to promote mediation, uh, but some of the reasons uh, that exist for the the law adoption um, include aspects of the mindset to mediation, where people still think that mediation is a sign of weakness, where lawyers are hesitant to recommend mediation because they're not necessarily trained in mediation. They actually think that mediation is an alarming drop in revenue as they popularly think about it, that there isn't enough lawyering involved in mediation, that uh, it's a passive role that the lawyer takes in mediation. But added to that, of course, is also the fact that we don't have a standalone mediation legislation. Um, the, the legislative amendments that I've talk, talked about where there have been changes to, for example, our Commercial Courts Act, where uh, a commercial matter before it can be filed in the courts must go through mandatory mediation, captures the spirit of mediation from a mandatory aspect extremely well, but there have been loopholes that um, have prevented it from actually becoming a real force in our legal system. The uh, Consumer Protection Act was recently amended, directing that every cell in the court has a, or rather every court sets up a mediation cell so that again, judges can um, seamlessly refer matters out to mediation. Uh, similarly, our, our Companies Act was amended for the company law tribunal to again have a panel of mediators um, and for the judge to uh, the tribunal member to sue more to refer matters to mediation. So there have been a slew of legislations, but I think at the end of the day, the fact that India does not have a standalone uh, legislation that gives mediation the recognition of, uh, of, of, say, arbitration, where it is recognized as another element in our dispute resolution pathway, um, has come in the way of the disputant and the legal community in finding the confidence to go mediate. But there is hope, uh, hot off the press, uh, a draft mediation bill was just released by the Ministry of uh, Legal Affairs earlier today for public comments. Um, our law minister has promised the tabling of um, the mediation law in the winter session. So I do believe that once that legislation is in place, which could be as early as uh, you know mid next year, uh, we will see a whole new push, push for mediation and mediation becoming um, a, a process on par with litigation or arbitration in India. Well, that's very cool. And it sounds like this is definitely a really exciting time in terms of the mediation movement in India. And so I thought this would be a good point then. I mean, can you share a little bit with us just what is the current mediation landscape in India then? Like, where is mediation taking place? Who are the mediators? Um, I know you mentioned there's a few, a couple areas where there's mandatory mediation, but uh, are there, is there voluntary mediation? How does that work? So mediation today in India is, um, is largely connected to court annexed mediation programs where the judge is referring the matter out to mediation. And uh, I believe India, and, and this is fairly new, it was only in, in 2005, 2006, that, that the early mediation programs, um, the court annex mediation programs were set up. 
Um, and since then, we have, by way of data, we have set up close to uh, 43,000 mediation centers across the country. Um, close to 3.2 million cases have been referred and nearly 1 million cases have been settled by mediation up until March 2021. So the court annex mediation programs have done a fantastic job in introducing mediation to our legal system and a good number of people actually experiencing mediation. Mediators at the court annex mediation programs are all generally lawyers and um, they provide their services on a pro bono basis. That's the whole world of, of uh, court annex mediation that has been going on in India since about 2005, 2006. Over the past five, six years, the world of private mediation, especially for commercial disputes, um, is growing. And here we're seeing more complex commercial disputes coming into mediation, whether you're talking about you know, IP disputes, joint venture disputes, partnership, um, banking and finance uh, disputes, we're seeing more of these more complex cases coming into mediation. I failed to mention in the court annex program, uh, the majority of the cases that are being mediated are matrimonial uh, disputes. So most mediations happening in the, in the court programs are matrimonial. They are seeing some number of uh, money recovery um, some amount of uh, commercial matters, but most of it is, is personal matrimonial disputes. Um, going back to the aspect of private mediation, the way we are seeing cases coming into private mediation are now increasingly through contracts because the uh, dispute resolution clause uh, um, has mediation uh, in it. We're seeing an increasing group of pro-mediation lawyers who are able to bring their client into mediation um, as a step before litigation or arbitration, even if there isn't a clause in the contract. And now increasingly, we're seeing the courts innovatively use um, private mediation, especially for complex uh, commercial disputes, where there's a system um, uh, under the Arbitration and Conciliation Act, there is the Section 11 application that is filed with the courts uh, for the appointment of the arbitrator. And we are seeing the judge actually, while pursuing the Section 11 uh, filing for appointment, referring the matter out to mediation. And in the event the mediation does not, um, uh, does not settle, to go ahead with the appointment process. Now, these are very new and recent trends that are happening in, uh, in, in mediation in India, which is very exciting because it's actually taking the whole step up in the way mediation is used concurrently with arbitration or litigation by the judge, um, the kinds of cases that are coming in for mediation, and of course, um, the, the kinds of mediators who are coming into the fold to be able to um, resolve these disputes. So the, the graph is very exciting uh, with respect to the potential, where mediation has traveled and the potential for mediation in India. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it definitely sounds like it's building. And you know, I know you mentioned the private mediation, and I imagine that's the type of mediation that, that CAMP is involved in, right? I mean, I, I read that CAMP is involved in commercial mediation services. Uh, can you tell us more about the work of CAMP? Yeah, so yes, we are in, in the space of 
private mediation for commercial matters. And what that means is, uh, so the, the reason why we set up uh, CAMP was one, to provide a forum for commercial disputes to engage in mediation before it goes into litigation or arbitration. And second, to professionalize mediation. So mediators get paid um, paid like, like they would if they were practicing in court. Um, uh, so to professionalize mediation services, because in the court program, mediators are not getting paid. And there was a need to be able to professionalize the service in order to be able to attract the um, a wide variety of mediators into the profession. Um, and we were set up by my mom uh, in all disclosure. So she had practiced in the courts for about 30 years and she was invited in 2006 by the chief justice of the high court to set up the mediation center. And she had no idea what mediation was, uh, of course was confused about why the chief justice was asking her to do a meditation program. But when the chief justice asks you to do something, you do it. And um, she, she was trained uh, by actually a bunch of um, American mediators. So um, whole, uh, some of the American mediators had come to India and was working with the Indian court system to get mediation into, um, in, into the court system in India. So she trained in mediation and was just totally bitten by the mediation bug. She saw the incredible value of mediation. Um, and that's, that's how after doing the court program for about 10 years, establishing it um, through the courts, felt the need to take the next step, which is when uh, camp was set up. And today at camp, you know, we, we have a strong set of rules to protect the mediation process and set out the institutionalized framework for mediation. Um, these rules were drafted in collaboration with our friends at JAMS and Foundation for Sustainable Rule Initiatives, again, in, in San Francisco. So again, I must acknowledge our, our American friends in playing a very, very important part in helping private mediation in India um, set up and find its feet. They continue to play a very important role. Um, we have a strong panel of mediators who are trained in mediation, who mediated several hundred cases. And these uh, are senior lawyers, retired judges, uh, retired CEOs. So definitely professionals who are very capable of mediating complex commercial disputes. Um, we have worked a lot on policy because as part of being an early player in the game has been as much about creating the ecosystem for mediation. So policy has been a big part of our work. In fact, the first draft of the mediation law came out of our uh, out of camp where we convened a consultation, series of consultations of national and international experts to put together that first draft. Um, and we have to, we work with the court system. We've set up, you know, um, uh, a seminal private-public partnership where CAMP as a private mediation institution is mediating at the consumer courts. Um, and then of course, you know, we have to engage in a bunch of training where we're focusing on advocacy and mediation trainings as well as mediator trainings. So yeah, that's, that's where CAMP is. We feel like we've, uh, we've uh, of course been able to show the effectiveness of mediation for private commercial disputes. Uh, but a large chunk of our work has also been about uh, ecosystem development work. 
Oh, yeah. And it sounds like camp has been really influential. And I had to smile when you mentioned um, earlier about the the meditation studio, right? Because I think just in terms of awareness of mediation, that's probably a challenge that all of us face worldwide. I mean, I'll share, and I think I've shared it with you before, Tara. I mean, my first role in mediation was at a local community mediation center. And so there's a decent amount of telephone work, like talking to um, parties, you know, someone maybe made a request for mediation and we had to contact the other side to see if they were willing to participate. And there were just so many times where someone would pick up the phone and say, wait, what, who are you with? Um, I don't want any meditation and I don't need medication. <laughs> and I would find myself just kind of chuckling. Like I'm not calling about meditation. I'm not calling about medication. Like they each have their own purposes, right? But what I'm calling about is mediation. So I can totally relate to that. I think there are many of us around the globe that kind of God have gotten me. responses like that. God knows we need a lot of medication and me and meditation to do mediation, but <laughs> I know, right? They've all they they've all got their purpose, right? Right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> all interrelated. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, one other thing, or somewhat recent development that I read too, that I was curious to get your take on. So I read that India has signed the Singapore Convention on Mediation. And now I know that the convention deals with international commercial mediation. And just as sort of an aside to our listeners, um, if you're not familiar with the Singapore Convention on Mediation, actually one of our prior guests on an earlier episode, Jay Santiago, talked about that. So definitely if you didn't check out that episode, check that one out. But I was just curious to hear from you, Tara. I mean, do you think that, you know, given that India has signed the Singapore Convention on Mediation, do you think that will have any sort of impact on continuing to build the momentum for mediation within India? Oh, absolutely. Um, we've already seen a huge um, increase in interest to mediation since um, uh, since India signed the Singapore Convention. India signed in August 2019 when it opened for signatures. And uh, we are in the process of ratification, uh, which is the reason why we're seeing this mediation law coming out um, soon in order for us to be able to uh, move with the ratification process. And we work closely with Singapore International Mediation Center um, that does basically cross-border disputes. And um, uh, SIMC reported in that India is the biggest user of mediation for cross-border disputes at uh, Singapore International Mediation Center. So definitely the fact that India has signed and is ratifying the uh, Singapore Convention is going to be a big boost for mediation in India. And in fact, recently, um, yeah, SIMC and CAMP and another uh, partner in India, uh, another institution called Mediation Mantras, set up the uh, India-Singapore Mediation Summit where we had the chief justices of both India and Singapore speak about mediation. And it was just unbelievable to hear the endorsement from the highest members of our judiciary in both countries um, speaking so strongly about mediation and the role that mediation plays in allowing our litigants to find appropriate resolution. Um, so no doubt that, um, that, that this is, this is being endorsed at the highest levels and is the future for dispute resolution in India. 
Yeah, that sounds really exciting. And so I'm also curious to get your take. I mean, what do you think is the future of mediation in India? You know, India does not have a choice. We have to embrace and adopt mediation. The status quo, as, as we discussed when, when we started this conversation, Veronica, is that we have a huge challenge. We're on the brink of a, of a broken system. So the good news is there is recognition across the board, whether it's the, the judges, the lawyers, um, disputants, especially after they get to understand what mediation is, businesses, saying that we have to find another way. And um, we are at that cusp of taking a huge step forward with this legislation coming into place, uh, with India ratifying the Singapore Convention. Uh, we are you know, at that cusp for big change. It's an, it's an incredibly exciting time. It's also a nerve wracking time because there is this feeling of immense um, pressure and a sense of responsibility that we've got to make sure we get this right. Um, but I have no doubt that um, the future of dispute resolution in India uh, includes mediation very strongly. And as one of my lawyer friends uh, pointed out, um, if, if, you, if lawyers don't keep up with this change, they're going to find themselves dinosaurs. So, uh, so yes, I think we have a lot of exciting times ahead of us for mediation in India. Absolutely, it sounds like it. Well, hey Tara, this has been such a great and informative episode. I'm so glad that we got a chance to do this. Thank you, Veronica, for spending that time with me to understand mediation in India. And I'm grateful to uh, all of you for the time that you have spent to hear about mediation in India. Thank you. Absolutely. And hey, if folks are curious more about, you know, camp's work, how can they learn more about camp? We are um, active on LinkedIn um, under uh, camp arbitration and mediation practice uh, or camp mediation, I believe. Uh, you can find us on our website, which is www.campmediation.in. And uh, as I mentioned, a large part of our work uh, has been supported by our American friends. So reach out to me by email. Um, I would love to hear from uh, anyone who wants to uh, continue to support the work that we are doing in India. So reach out to me by email on LinkedIn and of course on our website. Very cool. All right. Well, hey, thanks again for being on the episode, Tara. This has been awesome. Thank you so much, Veronica. All right, friends. Well, hey, that wraps up another episode of the Mediate.com podcast. And hey, I should also share, I love getting feedback. So if anyone has feedback, questions, comments on the episode, if you want to make this episode or any other episode, or if you just want to make suggestions for future topics, I would love to hear it. And when we uh, post this on um, the website will go ahead and drop a link in the description for how folks can contact me if they're, if they're interested. All right. So, hey, thanks again for joining and we will talk to you next time. This podcast was brought to you by Mediate.com. For more information about Mediate.com's programs and content, please visit our website at www.mediate.com.